Praise God, that was wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so good to be together in God's house today, isn't it? Amen. I want to bring you special greetings uh, from our moderator, Reverend Elder Nancy Wilson. She asked me to share her love with all of you today, and she looks forward to the next time that uh, she can be here together with you. It's truly a delight for me to be here. The first time I visited this church was about 40 years ago, almost 40 years ago. It was 19, January 1975 on Waugh Avenue, a little tiny building, and I was just coming out. I had a business trip here, and I went to the MCC, and uh, I've been friends with Resurrection MCC ever since. So... On that Sunday, you blessed my life, and as I was coming into MCC, and it made all the difference in the world. Well, during the Lenten season of 2012, a number of you here at Resurrection MCC participated in a series of discussions called Revision. And in one of the sessions, uh, participants were asked to create a name that describes our congregation here. Here are two of the top names that they came up with for Resurrection MCC. All are welcome, MCC, and homecoming, MCC. I love those two names. They typify what MCC really is. Last year, more than 1,500 people from metropolitan community churches all over the world gathered in Chicago for our 25th General Conference. Again and again, every day we heard wonderful stories of personal transformation experienced by the people coming into MCC. The theme I heard so often at that conference was expressed by one young man from Puerto Rico who said, when I came to MCC, I found a home. MCC is a church, he said, MCC is a denomination, but much more important than that, MCC is a family. He said, now I'm at home. The book of Isaiah is the story about the exile of the Jewish people. They are in Babylon. And uh, the defeat and the separation and the loneliness of the captivity in Babylon is about to end. And this vision to the prophet comes of what is going to happen. Israel will come from a place of isolation to a place of restoration. Something new and wonderful is going to happen. A new day is dawning. A new exodus is coming. An exodus from exile. You know, the reality is that if we look at the whole book of Isaiah and the whole message of Isaiah, we could summarize it in just two words. Welcome home. I see a parallel in this story of Israel and in the story of metropolitan community churches. 94% of the people in metropolitan community churches have had a previous affiliation with a Christian church. And another thing that's true is that two-thirds of the people in MCC, when they started attending MCC, they were not attending another church. Many of us were condemned, excluded, 
some even persecuted by our congregations. We had lost our spiritual home. Often we had experienced the pain of alienation and isolation. Others may have been turned off by a religion that was too toxic or just did not work for them anymore. As a people who've experienced our own kind of exile, the pictures and the promises of Isaiah can have a very special meaning to us. And I'd like to explore that meaning with you today. Isaiah 42.9 says, The former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Isaiah speaks of three new acts of God. First of all, God is doing a new thing. Secondly, God is gathering a new people. And third, God is giving a new song. God is doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 says, The Eternal One says, Forget what happened before, and do not think about the past. Look at the new thing that I am going to do. It is already happening. Don't you see it? I will make a road in the desert and rivers in the dry land. Now, the new thing that God was going to do for Israel was to make a way for the people out of exile. The time of restoration was at hand. From the vantage point of looking over the past 45 years, with MCC, God has definitely been doing a new thing. But here's the reality. God is still doing new things. The time has come to let go of the past. The time has come to go to a new place in my life. God will lead me. God will help me find the way. But until we let go of the past, we cannot move toward God's promises for our future. Sometimes we need to let go of things in our past that have been very difficult or very painful. Or we may need to let go of something in our past that was very wonderful. You know, it's one thing to be grateful to God for the blessings and accomplishments of the past. But it is very much another thing to get stuck in that place convinced that we will never experience anything so good again. We just live back there in the glory days. Or we may need to let go of the regret for a past that we wish might have been different. God has a place of restoration, but let me tell you something, it's not back to the past. It's not about creating a better yesterday, it's about building a brighter tomorrow. The world is changing and something new is needed. It is time to let God do a new thing. It is time to go to a new place in my life. This is true for each of us and Resurrection MCC. This is true for us together as a congregation. Faith's journey always leads us to places that we've never been before. It is always filled with uncertainty. It always leads us to the place of the impossible. It is often obstructed by the fear of failure. And at times, it's just another walk to our next miracle. What in the world would ever want 
to make me take that first step. For me, there is only one answer. It's who I'm traveling with. You see, Jesus promised that God's spirit would always be with me. Isaiah 44 says, I will bless the thirsty land by sending streams of water. I will bless your descendants by giving them my spirit. The spirit is with me. Jesus called the spirit the paraclete, the helper, the comforter. Literally means called alongside to help. I'm not alone. And what's also very important, folks, is we have each other. This is another thing that God is doing with us. God is shaping us as a community. And that leads me to the point that God is gathering a new people. Isaiah 56 says, The one who brings the exiles of Israel together, God the Eternal One declares, I'm not done yet. I will still gather more to this community. That's God's message to you today, Resurrection MCC. God is saying to you, I will still gather others to this community. Many more need to experience what we have experienced. God has always been gathering a people together. In our reading today from the Hebrew Scriptures, Isaiah proclaims an inclusive promise of God. The God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, I will gather others beside them who already are gathered. This God says, this diverse gathering will be joyful in my house of prayer, for my house of prayer shall be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. In the early years of MCC, we had a profound sense that God had gathered us together So many of our number had been rejected and condemned or persecuted. But in MCC, we were together. We were loved by God. And we could love ourselves and we could love each other. We were filled with incredible joy. I came into MCC in 1974 in Des Moines, Iowa. MCC there had just begun a couple of months earlier. It was started by Jerry Sloan who was a member of MCC in Kansas City. In his younger life, Jerry had been a Baptist. He felt called to the ministry, so he attended and graduated from the Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Upon his arrival in Des Moines, Jerry went to speak with the religion editor of the Des Moines Register, the local newspaper. and He told her about MCC and his plans to start a new congregation there. She was fascinated. A church for gay people in Des Moines? That was news back in 1974. Well, her story included Jerry's education at the Baptist Bible College in Springfield. Well, the Baptists were not amused. Within a few weeks, Jerry received a letter from the president of the Baptist Bible College. The letter demanded that Jerry return his diploma. The last sentence warned, I pray that you will repent of this evil or that God will remove you from the face of the earth. Well, Jerry took the letter to the religion editor at the newspaper. Now the story went to Associated Press. It was an international story. Jerry returned to Kansas City 
And he recruited 15 people there from MCC, Kansas City. And then they went to Springfield with Jerry. And Jerry contacted all the local television to let them know that he was going to have a demonstration in front of Baptist Bible College to let them know that he would not be returning the diploma. Well, the school went into total lockdown. <laughs> the, the administration was just absolutely panicked by what was happening. And uh, Jerry later learned from some of his friends that the college leaders were horrified. From there, Jerry, from Des Moines, Jerry went to Wichita, Kansas, where he founded the MCC in Wichita, which we have a fine church at there today. And then he went to Fort Worth, Texas, where he served as the pastor of Agape MCC in Fort Worth. Jerry shared with me that he and his church became the target of a very prominent evangelist while he was uh, in, at Agape MCC. The evangelist's name was James Robinson. At that time, he was being touted as the next Billy Graham and uh, he had a huge television following. His flagship station uh, where he uh, developed his telecast every week was WFAA in Dallas, the big ABC affiliate there. And um, he was talking about this terrible new church, Metropolitan Community Church, and um, Jerry Sloan was so upset by the things that Robinson was saying that under the fairness doctrine at the time, Jerry went to the television station and asked for equal time. So the following Sunday, uh, they took Robinson's program off the air in his time slot and gave Jerry the 30-minute time slot so Jerry was able to tell all of Robinson's view viewers about God's unconditional love for gay and lesbian people. <laughs> From Fort Worth, Jerry went to Sacramento, California, and there he became the co-founder of the Sacramento Gay and Lesbian Center. And now here's where the story that Jerry shared with me really gets interesting. You see, when Jerry Sloan was a student back at Baptist Bible College, he had another classmate named Jerry, a very close friend. It was Jerry Falwell. By the early 1980s, Reverend Jerry Falwell was a nationally prominent pastor of a Baptist megachurch. He had a television program, uh, the Old Time Gospel Hour, with millions of viewers. He was also the founder of the Moral Majority, which was a political organization of the religious right, which some of you may remember at that time was very, very powerful. And uh, it was during that period that... Um, we were applying as MCC for membership in the National Council of Churches. It, it came down to the actual vote. Um, I was there with Nancy Wilson in Hartford where the vote was taken. And they, the vote was that we were so controversial that the National Council of Churches voted not to vote. And the, that following week on the Old Time Gospel Hour, uh, Jerry Falwell, talked about us, he called us brute beasts, and uh, he just said some very awful things about us. In fact, he said, this vile and satanic system will one day be utterly annihilated and there'll be a celebration in heaven. Well, about a year or two later, uh, Falwell went to Sacramento 
He was a guest on a local morning television talk show, so Jerry Sloan made it a point to be in the audience. So Jerry Sloan stood up. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. And Jerry Sloan then confronted Jerry Falwell with that hateful comment that Falwell had made about MCC. Now, Falwell denied making such a statement, and Jerry said, and Falwell said to Jerry, and if, you know, if you can prove that I said that, I'll give you $5,000. Well, Jerry had ordered a cassette tape of the old-time gospel hour for that Sunday. So Jerry Sloan brought it that week to the TV station and on the 6 o'clock news sat there with the anchors and they played the tape and all three of them agreed, yeah, that's what Falwell said. <laughs> uh, so Jerry Sloan filed a lawsuit in Superior Court of California for breach of contract. It demanded that Falwell give him the $5,000. Well, he never heard from Falwell in he had actually sent a letter and never heard, and that's when he filed the lawsuit. And the judge ruled against the moral majority, and now it was $8,000 because they added some sanctions because it was a, such, such a frivolous claim on Falwell's part. Well, ultimately, Jerry got the check from the moral majority for over $8,000, and on the reverse side of the check, it had a, a, a provision, a condition where you endorse a check. And the condition was that Jerry Sloan not gloat. And so Jerry Sloan called a press conference to explain that he was not gloating. But he just wanted to tell people how the money was being spent and the money from the moral majority, the moral majority was buying new furniture and equipment for the Sacramento Gay and Lesbian Center. <laughs> I will forever be thankful and grateful to Jerry Sloan. He inspired me to come out. He created a new community of faith where I could be honest with myself and honest with others. His confidence and his courage were contagious. We had found our new spiritual home. And for over these 40 years that I've been a part of MCC, I have watched absolutely thousands of people who have also found their spiritual home in MCC. God is gathering and God is still gathering us today. Now one final thing this morning. God is giving us a new song. Isaiah 42, 10 through 11 says, Sing to the Eternal One a new song. God's praise is from the ends of the earth. Let the inhabitants sing for joy and let them shout from the tops of the mountains. Isaiah tells of a time when God will give a new song to a people who had stopped singing. They had stopped singing the songs of Zion. You know, the people of Israel loved the old songs, the songs of Zion, but in the, in the, in the captivity in Babylon, in the midst of their isolation and the, their oppression, they weren't singing anymore. In fact, Psalm 137 describes it. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there when we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows we hung up our harps, 
For there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked us for mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how could we sing God's song in a strange land? You know, a lot of us here know what it's like to be isolated, to be alone, away from that place of joy we once knew, and we just stopped singing. We no longer had that spiritual home. Marcia Stevens is a young woman with a very talented songwriter and singer. In the spiritual revolution of the 1970s, she wrote one of the most popular Christian songs in the world, For Those Tears I Died. Her song was included in many Christian hymnals and songbooks. But in accepting her lesbian identity, It seemed as though she had to lose her spiritual identity. She lost her spiritual home. She had to leave her church. And do you know that some of the churches where her songs were in the hymnals, when they heard that she was a lesbian, they tore those songs out of all their hymnals and sent them to Marsha. Marsha Stevens was in exile. She had stopped singing and she had stopped writing songs. And then one one day she heard about MCC in Costa Mesa, California. She went and discovered there were other people just like her, but she still couldn't sing again. And at one point, they were going to take her to hear Troy Perry speak at an MCC in West Hollywood. And Marsha was there sitting, and Troy looked out in the audience, and he knew who she was. And he said, Troy Perry said, For those of you who may not know, Troy Perry is the founder of MCC. He said, Marsha, I see Marsha Stevens with us. Marsha, you've got to come up and sing for us. Marsha had stopped singing, and she said, no, I can't. He said, no, 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 Marsha, here, we have your song. It's in our hymn book. Come and sing. And reluctantly, she came, and she started to sing once again. Jesus said, come to the waters. Stand by my side. I know you are thirsty. You won't be denied. The next year, Troy invited her to come to the General Conference in Sacramento. And she wrote a song for the General Conference, Free to Be. Beautiful song. And Marsha Stevens has been writing and singing very beautiful songs, some of her best songs since then. There are two kinds of songs, old songs and new songs. Both are very valuable. Old songs can play a vital role in how we remember God's blessing and faithfulness in times past. New songs are born of our spiritual journey. They speak of and celebrate the new things that God is doing. Sometimes a new song is an old song sung by a new singer. And sometimes a new song is an old song with new words born of our new experiences with God. And sometimes the new song is the music of a new generation and its experience of God. Over the years in MCC, some of our most powerful moments have been those times when people who have been separated and isolated from their church return and experience God's love and God's presence and God's unconditional love and God's total acceptance just as they are. And so often the thing that makes it feel like home is a song from that person's spiritual past. 
and you will watch them and the tears flow because once again, they know that the song is still alive. It has not left them even though they left the song. And one thing I believe with all of my heart today, when we sing for joy, God is celebrating with, with us and the whole chorus of heaven joins in. I believe that the words of Jesus to his first disciples are his words again to us today. I am sending you just as God has sent me. Receive the Spirit. I believe that God's promise to Israel in Isaiah is God's promise to us today. I chose you to bring justice, and I am here at your side. I selected you, and I am sending you to bring light in my promise of hope to the nations. Welcome home. Thank you.